Hello, Internet. My name's Jonathan Cook. In America. <laughs> and I'm Matt Noble. We're talking Arrested Development. We're back. People can get enough of us talking about Arrested Development. Yeah, I think almost equal to the excitement for Arrested Development is the excitement for Screen Verdict to talk Arrested Development. Arrested Development. The buzz was huge two weeks ago. Everyone was very excited. It seems like the critics have been a little mixed of season four. As far as I'm concerned, there are no other critics. The only critics you need will try to live up to the Hall and Oates gold standard with our Arrested Development review. Yeah, there was even word that uh, Netflix stock dropped 6% because of the mixed critical response. (laughs) Apparently on the announcement of Xbox One, Sony stock went up 10%. So... Uh, well, the response to that was so bad, their competitors' stock went up. Yeah, well, you know, that Arrested Development's got a 71 on Metacritic, and, uh, you know, just not quite that Netflix uh, standard of 76 that House of Cards got. <laughs> did, the, did the modern family ratings go up? That's sort of the competitor comparison, I suppose. Um, I will look this up. Modern Family doesn't have a score for season if it hasn't gone up, that's probably due to the fact that everyone in America is already watching Modern Family. We're going to talk about we, we're going to talk about season four. We're going to give our opinions because this is one of the most anticipated television events of the past decade. Um, and we, what we're going to do is, firstly, we're going to there's going to be spoilers. Okay, spoiler alert! A cross continental spoiler across alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Woo woo woo! Okay. Spoilers coming at you. So if you haven't watched all 15 episodes uh, of Arrested Development, I don't know what you've been doing the past week. So uh, You you have made a huge mistake. You have made a huge mistake. Go go turn off this podcast, go watch the 15 episodes, and then come back and listen to this podcast. Mm. That should be a big one. I had a big party uh, on Saturday, an Arrested Development party. We had frozen bananas, juice boxes, <laughs> banners. We had it all. Was there any incest, and- Matt? <laughs> no, it's not. So it wasn't it was entirely not. like Arrested Development themed. Saving it for the Game of Thrones party. Um, your, yeah, your plus one said bring a cousin. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately no cousins. Cousins at the party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we had a great time. Uh, good eight-hour marathon. We we plowed through all the episodes. So uh, very good. So what we're going to do is we're going to go... The episodes go character by character. So our review will also go character by character. We'll be referencing other characters in other characters' episodes, but we won't fully address that. So it might not make complete sense uh, to bias references in the Michael episode, but then you'll hopefully it will make sense when we get to the Tobias thing. A little bit, a little bit like the show. Perhaps you need to consume our review as a whole in order to be able yes. to understand it all. Please, if the New York Times is listening, please listen to the whole podcast. <laughs> Our Facebook likes go down by six after the New York Times review comes out. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hear this podcast gets more satisfying the more you listen to it. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Who are we going to start with, Matt? We're going to start with Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it's a story about one son trying to keep himself together. I like that. The intro of each episode referred to which character the episode was going to be about. 
So it yeah, sort of really it changed the intro. It was the same as the first three seasons, but they adapted it to fit with the new format. So yeah, I really liked it. So some things have changed for Michael over the last few years. We won't recap all of what's gone on in the characters' backstories because that would take about seven or eight hours. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but things aren't really going well for Michael. I think in the first episode we have him uh, living in George Michael's dorm room. He's in a really dark place <laughs> in, in this season of Arrested. Like, when he is so focused on seeing that article of himself in the in-flight magazine, which you know is just such, like, a lame thing in the first place, just to see how devastated he is over that. You just think things are not going well for Michael. He's moved into his son's college dorm. He's doing an online college degree at the University of Phoenix, not even the college with the dorm room is. <laughs> and he's acting like this is a normal sort of... He's just... Incomplete, sort of, uh, he's completely deluded. Yeah, not that Michael uh, has always been that cool, but Michael has always sort of had to, I guess, look out for George Michael a little bit as his relatively uncool son. Now he is the uncool one in the relationship. Like, he is the one crowding his space in his dorm room, preventing him from, you know, socializing with girls, and George Michael has to try and force Michael out. Yeah. Uh, so you see George Michael do a bit of a douchey thing to kick his dad out. Uh, they organise a four-way vote, and they somehow convince Michael to vote against himself so he couldn't tell that George Michael was voting for him. I didn't really uh, like this at the start. I thought it was, like, a little bit too depressing, especially when George Michael wrote, like, dad and then crossed it out and Michael. You're like, just get a new piece of paper. Like, why would you put that piece of paper in? Yeah, I don't get that, and I also don't get why he didn't just write the other guy, because then he would have uh, had the, it would have been the ambiguity over, well, who was the person who didn't vote me out? It could have been my son. So I don't know why they all had to vote Michael, but I still thought it was so funny, Michael explaining how the vote was going to go down, (laughs) just how oblivious he was, and how complicated he was making the vote. And then he has to go over it not only with them but other people to explain how it was a complicated system and they didn't get it and it was a mistake that I got voted out and they don't care or understand either why it's so complex. Like, he then starts blaming himself rather than George and Michael. He's going, I made it too complicated for him. Maybe I didn't explain it enough. (laughs) It was really dark to see George and Michael pick him out, but I did think it was quite funny, the execution. And also the uh, and I this should have this was really a huge oversight. I should have put this on our uh, top ten gags. The the Charlie Brown <laughs> sit, head down walk dun, out dun, dun. was great. Dun, I dun, was dun, so dun. <laughs> sad, very funny too. So, but it, it's it's set a good stage I think, for the season. Michael is at this low point. He's completely cut off from the family. He's got a fractured relationship with his son. I said. Michael was always so overbearing on George Michael and too involved in his life. And I think he just went too far with it this season and he had to, and that's why. So that's why I think I didn't mind George Michael kicking him out as much. It sort of was, well, this is what you get. Like, for (laughs) this flaw in your character. (laughs) But I guess things start to look a bit better for Michael when 
he gets into the movie business. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Ron Howard, uh, who's worked with Maybe in the past, is interested in making a blue movie, so he calls Michael to get the signatures from everyone in the family. I like this, the, the parallel between the, uh, the Bluth movie and uh, potential Arrested Development movie. Did you like it when Michael got the B team together for the Bluth team? And, uh, Andy Richter. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Richter. Carl uh, Weathers. Jason Jay, Gentles. And <laughs> Carl Weathers. It was great to see Carl Weathers back. <laughs> His sort of relationship with Ron Howard I thought was great. Yeah, Ron Howard's always done a really good job on the show as the narrator, but it was only, I think, in that final scene of the the first three seasons, or I guess the third yeah. season, that we actually got to see him in the show. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and now he becomes an actual character in the show. Yeah, that's really, really good. And Michael thinks that he's... When he's talking about his daughter, Michael thinks he's talking about his mistress. And that's just really funny. <laughs> That's just so good. Um, and then Michael starts... She, he meets a girl, this nice redhead girl, uh, played by Isla Fisher, and he likes her, and he sort of courts her a bit. Uh, well, he sees her. And it turns out she's Ron Howard's daughter. Arrested Development is really good at the the mistaken identity storyline, and I thought both uh, Isla Fisher and Ron Howard are really funny. The, thing, the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned her... Uh, was the public service announcements she has to do because she's yeah. always getting in trouble or she's sort of like the face of that. And the best one was uh, she just goes to the camera, tweet and drive. And Ron, as the director, is like, like firstly, it's texting and we also need the word don't in there. She's, she's pretty good. Um, did, did you like her as a love interest for Michael? I liked her as a character on the show. I thought she was funny. I didn't want Michael to end up with her. I thought this is uh, trouble brewing for Michael, but uh, yeah, I liked her addition to the show. Should we move on to the next character? Yes, who do we have after Michael? George Senior. George starts working at this sort of business retreat, sort of, it's kind of like a, like a seminar place to basically get money off rich businessmen, uh, where he's working with Oscar. And they have sort of a, a scam going where one of them, where George goes into the the sweaty pit thing and is able to withstand the heat because that's something he does a lot as part of his smoking ritual or whatever. And then George comes out and then he gives the pitch, uh, and he's really impressed that they're supposed to be impressed that he was able to stay in there so long, and uh, they hand over their money. And on this land, his plan is to build a wall. Because Oscar has the land from uh, between uh, Mexico and the U.S., so he can build this wall for the government, undercut a Stan Sitwell project, <laughs> and also make heaps of money from the government. Yes, and this is not the first time that some land that Oscar has owned has turned out to be worthless or not where it was believed to be. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. So that's a great callback, and what we see through this. And I'll, I'll introduce your opinion on this. Is we see George Senior become more and more like Oscar, and Oscar become more and more like George Senior as this develops, uh, which was somewhat confusing since they were both uh, had the exact same hair this season. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Oscar 
has lost his hair, the stress of constantly being put in jail um, and being mistaken for George Senior uh, has cost him his hair. So now they look the same. But that's good because there's, there's, it makes it easier for them to interchange lots more things, I guess, that they could work together. But also it, it can go against uh, one another, I guess, if you're George and you don't want Oscar sleeping with Lucille. But I, I like that. I thought the scene where they're smoking the, the maca, is that what it's called? Or eat, No, they're eating the maca. And, like, the, the shaman guy comes out and says, like, the weak will become the strong and the strong will become the weak. Uh, and you only sort of find that out later on why the two are sort of switching switching roles. I thought it was really I thought it was really funny to see George Senior have to deal uh, with that. Like I, I know some people thought maybe the George Senior episodes are some of the weak ones of the season, but like I just think like what other show than Arrested Development could have a story you got two identical twins change personalities throughout the course of an episode to become more and more like the other twin. Uh, so you, it's hard to keep track of which twin is which. Like it, it's just such a such a crazy, complicated storyline that's uh, a lot of fun. I think one of the best lines of the season was Oscar has been away and comes back to the retreat, and he says to George, "I thought I'd find you wearing a blouse and wearing a beekeeper's hat." Like, <laughs> for what possible reason would he have the expectation? Like, that that would be what he was wearing when he came. Like, only through the most ridiculous series of circumstances did that come to be. And he's like, oh, I thought I'd find you like that. Yeah. I just thought that was so offbeat. And how great was it, Joe, rocking up with the bees? (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was so good. Did you say beads? Bees. That was one of the greatest Job ideas for the first three seasons. It was great to see Job with bees. Next character? I don't know. You've got the list. I don't know what order we're going in. I'm just saying you were okay moving on. <laughs> yes. Lindsay, who, played by Portia de Rossi, who this year for Lindsay, uh, we got word last week, she's submitting herself for lead actress for the Emmy Awards. Oh. Who won lead actress last year? Julia Louis-Dreyfus for Veep. Ooh, you got some tough competition there. <laughs> uh, uh, we like Julia Louis-Dreyfus. The Academy likes her, so... Yeah. It's a brave move. <laughs> Very brave. So, obviously, things with Lindsay and Tobias are great, uh, as usual. Uh, and Lindsay goes to find herself in India. Yes. Uh, she gets up to the prey part of Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, I, I like that sort of on-running thing. Everyone was reading that book and just started yeah. wanted to go off on uh, spiritual journeys or just made them hungry. And she gets to India. She ends up spending a lot of time just buying things. <laughs> and then she goes to have a meeting with a shaman who tells her, you know, love is where you left it or whatever. So she goes back to be with Tobias. Uh, <laughs> And then they decide to buy a house. And this is a time when... Because that way died. they'd have it. How great is that scene where <laughs> the real estate agent is just selling them the biggest... Getting them the biggest mortgage they could possibly get? I thought it maybe went on a tiny bit too long, but I thought, like, the premise of the, the scene was really, really funny. What I loved about that scene is it showed why uh, what a reason why Lindsay and Tobias are 
a couple sort of they probably got together at the beginning because although they're so different and they don't really get on and have heaps of chemistry and things just in that scene you do see they are both so like naive and so <laughs> they both have the same enthusiasm for the expensive house <laughs> they were both like egging each other on almost and then uh, Tobias takes Lindsay to an acting class the method one clinic <laughs> to learn improv bit confused it's actually a methadone clinic <laughs> and they make some friends at the methadone clinic Tobias makes uh meets a female friend and she meets a male friend who are both and end uh, happen to be going out so they go out for dinner together and um while Tobias goes to the bathroom uh with the girl to help her get butter off her face or whatever <laughs> Lindsay falls in love with the guy they run off and he takes her to his ostrich farm Yes, it's not uncommon for Lindsay and Tobias to see other people. And I think it was really great how it sort of represented how up and down, inconsistent, just the lack of reliability that Lindsay has, that she dates two other people this season, one of whom is Herbert Love, the uber-conservative politician, and the guy with face blindness who is trying to bring down Herbert Love and works on an ostrich farm. Yes, and she sort of starts getting involved in Herbert Love to sort of sabotage him and things like that, but then she sort of falls for him too. And <laughs> yeah, so very, yeah, it's very interesting. I thought the face blindness thing was perhaps like a little bit silly at first. I guess maybe how some people reacted to Rita being uh, mentally handicapped, but I think that ended up being quite a funny storyline. The way his plans keep going wrong and he ends up bluing himself and that sort of thing, constantly confusing other people uh, with Lindsay, even Tobias, who is wearing a a wig as Sue Storm. Yeah, I think that ended up providing quite a lot of comedy. I think it worked really well. Um, Terry Crews played Herbert Love. I didn't love that performance. Yeah, I can see that. I mean... I don't know if it was the performance. I don't. I, I think the sort of the character served the plot quite well, but he wasn't really necessarily all that funny himself. I don't know why they got Terry Crews in to play the politician. It's because he's, he's a semi celebrity and they're trying to revive the show. It's like the Save Our Bluths episode. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, so there's Lindsay stuff. Should we move over to the Tobias? The, me- the methadone clinic that he go the Lindsay falls for her boyfriend he falls for her and um, she used to play the fantastic the invisible woman in Ron Howard's cheapo version of Fantastic Four um, so he starts trying to get into acting with her I think the first episode of the season where I was like yes this is really great was Tobias's first episode where you see like him go to India yeah. as well and the person that was yeah. Uh, Lindsay was adjusting her seat into happened to be Tobias and you see him spilling uh, his drink on his <laughs> sheet which yeah. he, I guess is what he thinks people in India wear um, yeah. and like he gets run over he gets hit by a bus because of something Lindsay does they swap suitcases uh, I thought that was a really really clever episode yeah I think this is where you start to realise this is how they're telling the story they're interweaving things mm. in and out it would be interesting to go back and, and watch, actually, because there are so many of those things. The The story is so much more in, 
into links, interlocked, especially in those first few episodes, then you actually realize. So to go back and watch and see what you pick up would be uh, quite interesting. And Arrested Development's always been a show with good replay value. Yeah, I'm very excited to see this show again, just to, you know, see if I like it more, like it less, whatever. So Tobias uh, also, he lands into some hot water when he goes to visit maybe at the model house he thinks she's uh, staying in. <laughs> and they've actually set up that house with cameras for the show to catch a predator with John Beard. And John Beard comes out, and Tobias, as Tobias has been prone to do for the past three seasons, just doesn't ever word things well. And this is probably his worst ever like, <laughs> wording of things. Saying, I'm here to see my little girl. I need to get my rocks off because he's wearing the rock suit. <laughs> Since he has no idea that this is a crew for to catch a predator, he's just sitting there with them and like, you know, usually in these shows the person runs out and they're like, make him go outside. He's just sitting here. <laughs> and when John asks him, he goes, how old, how old did she say she was? And he goes, 19, I think, but I like to think of her as 15. <laughs> so that's great. Which actually, means Tobias gets arrested and gets registered as a sex offender. <laughs> so his whole next episode he's having to tell people he's a sex offender uh, to help serve his time though to get out of jail Lucille Ostero she uh, lets him do some therapy work at, at, the, at her uh, austerity clinic uh, for people he decides the best thing for these people is to put on a musical of Fantastic <laughs> so we have them putting on a musical Lucille gets involved in the musical was it Lu- yeah, Lucille's brother? What was what was his name? I can't even remember exactly what the joke was. And then they just drop out oh. Mr. F. Uh, he played Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastics. Yes. He himself. Yes. So he played Mr. Fantastic. Mr. F. Yes. <laughs> so that was pretty good too. I think it's revealed over a few episodes, towards the last episode, that Tobias offers pretty much everyone a part in the musical and you see everyone turn it down for these different reasons and they don't even necessarily know what he's asking them to do. Often they think he's being literal about whatever he's saying until Tobias ends up having to uh, play the role of Sue Storm himself. Uh, I thought that was yes. a pretty pretty classic sequence. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. So should we move on to Job now? Job, the greatest sitcom character of all time or of the past 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> when we got, I knew this was how they structured the seasons. Uh, and if I didn't know, I would have known this by now anyway. But I was looking so much forward to the Job episodes. I had anticipation of all time high. <laughs> I thought when we were first introduced to Job and he's talking to Michael and he says something about oh, if you were embarrassed about, say, being in love with a man, I'd say homo much. Like, I didn't really think that that was that funny. But then when we see it later on, and he gives on this absurd, elaborate uh, explanation of something that Michael could be embarrassed about, which would just never happen unless it happened to Joe himself, and then it ends with, then I'd say homo much. Uh, (laughs) Made that uh, a lot funnier. No, very much so. And we've got... um... Well, we've got um, Job is going out with Anne, I guess, at the beginning of the season. Yes, Job going out with 
George Michael's ex-girlfriend, I can't remember her name, and obviously that's going so well that they decide to get married. An arrested development wedding between yes. Job and her. Who else would it have been? Yes. No, that's very exciting. We're all very excited by the way. I, I loved it when they went on the talk show to announce the engagement and then Job turns that into an announcement about his illusion. <laughs> that was very good. A callback to when he was with Martha and announced his <laughs> illusion when Martha's trying to promote her acting career. So that was good. The scene where he proposes to Anne too is, is pretty great. <laughs> We were wondering whether the her would come back. It came back in a big way. Uh, it was even present in enormous writing in the church on their wedding day. Uh, yes. <laughs> just a special treat for Anne on her wedding day. Was it like the Holy Emmanuel Church of the Resurrection or something? Is that or something like <laughs> yeah. that? Like, People got what they bargained. People got their price of admission with this wedding because uh, Joe puts on illusion, a Christian magic act, where he takes on the role of Jesus. And there are just some great moments in that illusion. Like, some people would say Jesus did was merely a trick, and then it's everyone was going, "Oh, not me!" And then they go. <laughs> he goes, I an illusion. <laughs> and then Tobias goes, who's got a part as the, in the magic one of the guards goes, they did like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Tobias tries to ablib some lines into yeah, it. <laughs> it's so good. And then Job goes, Jesus rose again. And Three days. But I'm going to beat it by two weeks! Two weeks! <laughs> <laughs> we, love, we love Job's promise of two weeks. Um, <laughs> two brought weeks. back in a huge way this season. Which I'm not quite sure how two weeks beats three days. <laughs> I guess you've been dead for longer. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Job is setting his sights higher this season. Last time he was trying to do outdo Michael. Now he's trying to outdo Jesus. Yes. <laughs> no task to be picked up. So, it, unfortunately, it goes horribly wrong. <laughs> he gets locked, <laughs> you can't get the handcuffs off. And he gets locked in a storage crate for like... Anyway, needless to say, the wedding's off. Um, I guess this turns into... He thinks it didn't go according to plan because of Tony Wonder. So it turns into this revenge story with Tony Wonder and then a love story with Tony Wonder. This is very weird. Okay, here's the thing, right? He thinks Tony's just pretending to be gay to get the gay market and then he has to pretend to be gay because he's gone to the gay club and then they start hanging out and they actually seem to sort of like each other. And I think there's this bit where... Like, I think Ron Howard says something like they were trying to find what this feeling was. And then Ron Howard goes, the word they were looking for was friendship. And I thought yeah, that was actually quite never, funny that, like, yeah. Job's never actually really had a good friend. And so yeah. his complete inability to make friends or just deal with these sorts of emotions has got him sort of, like, confused with sort of gay feelings because it's in the midst of this whole, like, gay hate revenge love story twist. Yeah. 
So I actually thought that was quite clever. But then it does seem to go an actually gay route. Yeah. Job tries to get Anne to sleep with Tony Wonder. He can expose Tony Wonder as a fraud and get Anne to wear the Job mask while she's doing it for some reason. And then um, vice versa, um, Tony Wonder then tries to get Anne to sleep with Job to expose him as a fraud or something like as well. But Anne sort of uh, tricks them both, a bit of a trickster, <laughs> and gets them both to put on each other's masks and sleep with each other, which seems to actually happen. I feel like I would notice at some point. Yes. Like, even with the mask on and that initial trickery, um, <laughs> I feel yes. like minutes later um, the mistaken identity would become apparent. Now, I've never had sex with a man before. But, yeah, I'd imagine you'd be able to tell. At least one of you should be able to tell. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, I, it was really funny and just a really, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, there was a bit of me that was like, how does that work? And, like, is Joe gay now? I'm not sure being gay is like a switch. Like, you can turn, like, on and off, Right. I didn't completely dislike it, and it certainly wasn't anything to do with, like, it being a gay thing. It was just, I wasn't sure if it made sense that Joe was actually gay. Yeah, that's, I agree. I think this probably was one, I think this was one of the strongest episodes of the season, because it was so funny, and uh, Joe taking George Michael to the gay club to pretend to be his, his, his boyfriend was, was one of the funniest scenes of the season. We try to like lick George Michael's fingers. George Michael's going, Can you not do that? And he's like, Thanks, George Michael. Not everyone would do that for their uncle. <laughs> it was a great episode, but yeah, I agree. I, I found it a little bit, a bit hard to understand. Now, we were saying we were hoping Job would be funny. Like, we, there was the anticipation, expectation, hope for Job to be funny. I'd say three of the funniest things that happened this season were Job related. Okay, run me through. One was him going to uh, knock the bottle cap off a bottle on the edge of the <laughs> table in the in the model house, and it just breaks the corner off. Uh, I thought that was really funny. That was. Uh, he has a line to Anne. She keeps on knocking these mice out of his hand into the water when he makes a mouse magically appear from behind her ear, and then she goes to leave, and he stops her, and he's like. He says something like, hey, and she turns around, now you have some mice to fish out of the water. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the third one, I think I think this one will will live on. I think I know where you're going here. <laughs> Perhaps as good as Final Countdown. Get away, get away, stay away, get away. I love that. I thought that was so funny. And the fact that, like, it gets it gets used several times... Uh, like, he sings along to it. He loves the song. He makes it his ringtone, uh, which is great. And then Lucille gets into an argument with Buster. In the sentence, just would like there would just be the word getaway, but she says it twice. She's like, I need you to get away, get away. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah, this is great, because we failed to mention that Joe actually joins an entourage at some point, and that's just... Pro- with John Ralphio! <laughs> How good was that? With John Ralphio, they join an entourage. They go to Jeremy Piven's nightclub called And. 
And Jeremy yes. Piven. So, yeah, the Jeremy Pivens who beat Will Arnett for the Emmy for season three of Arrested Development, so maybe a little nod there. But um, <laughs> they're calling Getaway because of his magician skills. He can get, get them away from a club when things get a bit nasty. And, uh, they even get Isla Fisher. Um, uh, in on the the Dead Dove. The Dead Dove was great. The Dead Dove, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just it, it all goes really well in the entourage until they get really annoyed at Joe. And so to try and tell him Mark Cherry writes a song, the celebrity, get away. And I, I, I sort of thought watching this, the equivalent to me was like, you know how Taylor Swift writes these songs about how much she hates guys she's been out with? <laughs> yeah. Like, is, is there a boyfriend Taylor Swift dumped? Uh, and she's written this nasty song about them. But the guy, like, loves the song. I bet there's a guy out there that Taylor Swift has written this song about how mean they are that actually plays that song like has got it as their ringtone and stuff like that (laughs) one can only hope (laughs) if you are that guy uh, get on to us (laughs) Lucille let's talk about Lucille who really at the end of season 3 was the central figure um, who was getting arrested um, or in trouble with the law and uh, hijacked the Queen Mary. Where is she up to these days? Well, yes, it turns out that she is sort of the mastermind of the family behind uh, all their shady business dealings, and now she's having to try and take control of the company from jail. Uh, she does get sent to jail, but jail, it's... Uh, it seems like she's doing the time of her life as well. It seems more like a, a country resort. Well, since the Enron thing, these sorts of prisons have become very popular. Right <laughs> she had a great episode. Like, this is a really strong story. Her, she's, she decides to join Tobias's musical, and she has a song that she sings about not wanting to be the villain anymore. <laughs> she's, she has a trial... When no one, none of the family rocks up to her trial, and we've heard in all the other episodes all the reasons why these various family members didn't rock up to the trial. I did like that, how there was a face placed on the chair instead of the person yeah. when they didn't rock up. And throughout the season, one for each character basically gets put in a seat until by the time you get to the trial, not a single person shows up. Yes. No, that's really good. I like the episode where she's in... A reality show? Real Asian prison wives? Or real Chinese prison wives? Yeah, something like that. And someone tries to stab her with some sharpened noodles, and she just throws a glass of water at it, and the noodles go limp. (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, Oh, that's good. I guess plot-wise, not as big plot-wise as you would expect it after season three, but... um. Well, let's go to, uh, should we do maybe, maybe? Definitely maybe. Okay. Well, maybe like her parents also goes to India. Uh, oh, yes. Because <laughs> uh, she's filming uh, Gengi on the Ganges. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately... Uh, she finds her mother there, but she has some access to some 
costumes and makeup, and it turns out she is actually the guru or <laughs> that advises Lindsay that A, she's full of shit, and B, uh, love is where she left it. Maybe it's a bit disappointing she goes with Tobias and not her daughter. <laughs> so she also finds out, um, sees uh, her mum and figures out that Herbert loves, sort of is attracted to her mum and things like that. And somehow is able to uh, squeeze herself into the position of her mum's pimp. <laughs> without Lindsay even knowing that she is being prostituted out, <laughs> maybe it's being paid for her mum to sleep with Herbert Love. Which I thought was really, really funny. <laughs> yeah, maybe needs to get a little bit creative with how she makes money because it turns out she never graduated high school yeah. uh, as a way to get attention from her parents. She gets fired from her job because she doesn't have a high school diploma. So she goes back to high school to constantly not graduate in order to constantly disappoint her parents. And ends up getting some tutoring from George Michael. Yes. Who sees this as a good opportunity to get a bit closer with his cousin. <laughs> and she sees it as a good opportunity to make money because of his fake block business. But the face block thing takes off. <laughs> or at least the hype for it does. Yes. And maybe he's able to get offices for them and everything. <laughs> And it, oh, we find out maybe he doesn't want to be with George Michael because he's not a good kisser. Uh, yeah, during that description, I felt quite bad for George Michael. That was quite a detailed uh, description of his shortcomings as a kisser. Yeah, I think George... I was not surprised that George Michael was not a great kisser. <laughs> uh, he does get some uh, experience, though, along the way, uh, in between seasons. I thought it was... Quite bizarre when he is with the woman in Spain and she says, it's quite an odd thing to say, she wants him to take control. She goes, I want you to make me cry. And he says, you're a bad mother. Uh, that's good. That, so that was definitely the, the sexy taking of control that she was looking for. Yeah. Did you just say, get on all fours? <laughs> <laughs> Girls reference. It's a reference to the TV show Girls. To those who don't know why, I would just say that. Like, um, like Arrested Development with Screen Verdict, it's best to have seen or listened to previous episodes. Yes, exactly. Let's talk a bit about Buster. Buster in the original series is, is, loses a hand. In the new season, he gains a hand. Yes. Again, I, I think this was something that at first I thought was a little bit silly, but ended up being really funny with the I'm a monster callback and like he talks to Tobias and Tobias tries to pitch him the role of playing the rock thing and he just he refers to him as a monster uh, and Buster yep. thinks he's referring to him and his hand. No, it's, um, I thought it was really good, the hand stuff. It, it got really good. Um well, the way that the army decided to pay for a hand for him was also great. The, uh, the, he crashed while flying a plane, but he was manning the drones, not realizing <laughs> unmanned drones, he was piloting them from an office and he didn't realize, he didn't realize he was actually killing people. He thought it was a game that the army was getting him to play. He just stresses out when he that. And the scene where he crashes that is just incredible. Uh, and and re really great because that 
Bert and Drain thing's been a big thing in the news this year, and we know Arrested Development did a really great job three years ago of sort of making very topical references to things the Bush administration have been doing, and um, I know that's a really nice way they tied in something the Obama administration's been doing with foreign policy and, and having a really funny sort of take on that. I really liked how he starts bombing the exam so he can stay in the place, uh, but then they test him by uh, giving him a little kitten to pick up yeah. with his hand, and uh, he ends up getting yeah. discharged, and the lady to him on his way out says, well, you should have thought of that before you decided not to kill that kitten. Yes, that was, that was very um, And it's great when he's at home without his mum, and he starts trying to mother, like, this... He's printed out her face and stuff. Oh, and thank put her clothes. <laughs> that got so creepy. vodka all bit. Yeah. Like, Lucille comes back from prison or wherever, and he's, like, lying down with her on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hey, I was just thinking about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, at the end, he's put in a bit of a compromising position with Lucille, too where um, he's seen with her and then he comes and finds her, her knocked out and then her body goes missing. So in a way the season ends with Buster being arrested and being put on trial for Lucille 2's yes. murder, which I thought was funny. That was some a good thing to set up, but it seemed yeah. a little bit rushed and... For something that is, seems going is going to be important, that they maybe could have spent a bit more time on it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, and I think that uh, what I will say about Buster knows. I think this perhaps might be the strongest single episode of the season, uh, and Buster is a character that was one of my favourites necessarily going into this. But I just think the way it's structured as an episode, it's a bit more self-contained. It tells a bit more of a story. There's I don't think many jokes that fall flat or things that don't work. I think there's a great episode of Buster One, which is called Off the Hook, which is a, the best episode title of the season. <laughs> so we've got one more character to talk about. George Michael? Yes, that's the one. Now, we've talked about George Michael so, a little bit. He's yes. been living with Michael, <laughs> but then he voted him out. He's come up with the idea for Fake Block. Uh, which I thought was a genius idea. Uh, unfortunately for George Michael, uh, that was not his actual idea. He does not have this software made. It is a, an app for woodblock sounds, woodblock timing. Uh, which is a great callback to when he uh, wanted to join uh, the Fugue Gay Band and they wouldn't let him play the woodblock. <laughs> Timo Sill. Did you love the social network references? Um, it could seem a bit dated, um, to be honest, but it was great because I think a lot of people confused Jesse Eisenberg with Michael Sarah when that movie came out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it worked pretty well, and I guess the social network was big enough for references to it to last like <laughs> a couple of years. Yeah, I don't think it will stand alone as a story even people hadn't seen that film. Now, he also dates Rebel Alley, Isla Fisher? Yes, he does. Now, this isn't the first time George Michael and Michael have liked the same girl. Mm. 
his teacher, Ethics teacher, Heather Graham. It's the first time they've both uh, slept with the same girl, though. Yeah, that makes it significantly more awkward. I don't think either of them can win. Like, there's, there's no way one of them just goes, oh, I realise she's better for you, and I just, you know, back off. Like, she's sort of ruined, right? For both of them. Yes. Um, I agree. Like, even if, even if I, I thought she was awesome and perfect and there was no longer the competition, I don't know if you really want to date someone that your dad or son has slept with. I would agree with that, uh, particularly given their relationship, which is a very close one. They're like twins, which Michael likes to refer to. Michael finds it out, and he breaks up with her. But then when he hears she's broken up with George Michael, he decides, oh well, no harm in (laughs) continuing it. Which, uh, but then she decides to get back with George Michael. So then Michael goes to see her. Um, George Michael's walking out of her place. George Michael puts it all together uh, with some pretty obvious clues. <laughs> and uh, George Michael thinks, well, I wouldn't go out with her if, if you, you were interested in her dad. And then he realizes that his dad, even though he knew George Michael was interested in her, decided to still go out with her anyway. And he's really upset and punches Michael in the face. I thought this was an interesting culmination of events because I suppose... Michael and George Michael's relationship has been more central than ever uh, with this new season. And for it to end with, I guess, that conflict between them made some sense plot-wise, but I didn't love that as an ending. Like, you you didn't go, yes, that's really clever, that's really funny, that tied up the season so well, typical spot on Arrested Development. You're just like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Bit depressing. Didn't really love that. Yeah. Well, here's my view. It wasn't really that funny. It was abrupt for an ending of the season, and it was unsatisfying. Like, Arrested is great for bringing things together. Like, at the end of season three, they left a lot of open threads, but they sort of brought a lot of things together too. And with this season, they just didn't bring the things together in a satisfying way all the stuff with Lucille Ostero just wasn't really addressed or answered the stuff with George Michael and Michael wasn't really, like none of the relationships were brought like, back together and I, I think, I understand that this was, this is, as Jason Bateman said in numerous interviews, this is act one of a three act story that will hopefully be told um, in a movie or some other form but I was at least expecting maybe relationship-wise them to all come together at the end. Maybe not in terms of the plot. So I understand, okay, the next two acts is about Buster's trial for murder or whatever, or about, you know, the Lucille Ostero stuff. But I was very surprised that at least, you know, George and George Michael just ended with their relationship at the worst spot it's ever been. And not really knowing exactly where everyone stands with each other in the family. The way the season was going, I thought, yeah, we're going to see all these same events from different people's perspectives and things are all going to kind of weave together until we get to Cinco de Cuatro. And there's going to be yeah. some huge event 
that is new, not stuff that we've seen before. Because I think you could maybe, towards the end of the season, think, I get it, different people's perspectives or whatever, but we've seen some of the same things, like, like over and over now. Like, I thought they would all tie together for something new with the last episode. We didn't really get that. We didn't get, like, a new thing at the end that was a, as a result of all these really clever, complex, interweaving storylines that resolved the season. It just sort of ended. Yeah. There you go. So, Jonathan, do you want to see a movie? Yes, it's Arrested Development. Uh, more, more Arrested Development. Whether it's a TV show or a movie, I want more. My view is we have to see something after that ending. They cannot have that be the ending of the thing. <laughs> So stop writing your bad reviews, New York Times. Do whatever you can to get, like, them making more of this stuff because, like, we can't have it in there. Like, I need more Arrested Development more than I did at the end of Season 3. Because <laughs> at least Season 3 was comfortable with that being how they wrapped it up. Yeah. I'm not comfortable with this being the end of Arrested Development. You have to do something. You, you have an obligation now. <laughs> oh, yes, the one thing we are going to go through quickly... We did ask some gags that we had, we were hoping to see return this season. We had our ten top running jokes from Arrested Development. Uh, let's see how they did at uh, ticking these boxes for us. Well, we did have the Jay Walter Weatherman lessons um, and a lesson of some description. Now, we knew that uh, the actor who had played Jay Walter Weatherman had died, so we didn't have our hopes up too high for this one. Did we see one, Jonathan? We didn't see a Jay Walter Weatherman lesson, but we did have teaching lessons referred to. Yes, there was a reference to it. Should we count that since really without Jay Walter Weatherman being around, that's the best we could have gotten? Yeah. Yeah, let's count that. Tick. Okay. Give it a tick. I'll give it a tick. A final countdown illusion. Tick. Yes, they did. They played final countdown in the Jesus uh, resurrection illusion. Hermano. <laughs> Hermano, which I think I said in the podcast, we will definitely be hearing this. I don't think we did. Oh, no. I don't think anyone said Hermano at any point. Michael in the first episode, or one of the first episodes, says Bravero at one point to refer to a brother. He's forgotten, which was pretty funny. Like, it was funny that he'd forgotten that. A mild sidetrack of the podcast a reasonable amount of people uh, in this area... I'm staying in, in Long Beach, uh, California at the moment, speak uh, Spanish. And so I was talking to someone that knew Spanish, and I said, oh, I know uh, at least one word, hermano. And they were like, yeah, it means brother, but why did you say it like that? And I was like, oh, should I have said it like, hey, hermano? And they're like, no, why would you say it like that either? And I was like, oh... This is the country in which Arrested Development was made. Why aren't you understanding my American te television show references? Uh, oh. So do we count Bravero as a Hermano? I don't think so. I've made a huge mistake. Yes. Yeah, Joe said it in his episode. <laughs> okay, no touching. No touching. I don't think anyone said no touching. There was no talking, okay. which is there were, yeah, there was a, an illusion. Not an illusion, an allusion. Yeah. But, there was uh, also a no hugging. There was a no hugging at one point. Mm. 
So they're, they're, they're like that sort of close, but I guess again, a no, not a no touching. Yeah. The chicken dance. Oh my. Okay. So I think that George Michael did not do a chicken dance in the first three series. No. There was a setup for a George Michael chicken dance. And then it gets cut off, like yeah. he has to answer the phone or something. And I was like, on what planet is not showing the chicken dance the funnier route for this scene to take? Yeah, they, he sort of started it. I guess he saw a little bit of it. But yeah. Like he, he's like, it's hard to do in these pants or whatever. Like, the, the comedy was building to... An amazing chicken dance. Like, everyone loves the chicken dance. And especially, like, a George Michael, we haven't seen his chicken dance. It would be they one of the best it. callbacks for the show to do. And they they thought it was funnier just to cut it off? There's probably about five things you have to have in a season of Arrested Development. Maybe even three. One of them is a chicken dance. What the deal, Arrested Development? You have to have, at the very least, Joe do his chicken dance. And then he's times he could have done it. Why didn't they have him do his chicken dance? He's done it in every other season of the show. I don't know. I, it was baffling. It's, if the, if they'd have never addressed chicken dance at all, that would have been weird. I would have preferred a chicken dance, but it would have been like, okay, whatever. Maybe they thought they didn't want to overplay it or something. But to tease us with a chicken dance and not give us a chicken dance, that's like a slap in the face. Yeah, I was. No, this was one of the things I was most disappointed about for the season. No Joe chicken dance. <laughs> I was very. I was fuming because I've been. I was waiting all season for it to happen. So devastating. All right, what's the next? next? One. Come on. Oh, come well, on. we we got to come on. <laughs> we got to come on during the proposal to Anne. <laughs> we also have Portugal down South America way. Uh, no one referenced that. That was sort of my one that I threw in. I wasn't really expecting it to be. So that's fine. Yeah. Her? Well, we've, we've talked about that. So there was a her in there. And the cutoffs. Yes, we did see Tobias in cutoffs. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six. We got six ticks out of ten. Six ticks out of I ten. And three of, three of those were sort of alluded to as well. So I think we did all right. Yeah. We did okay. There's, there, there were two more things that I was just shocked and a little appalled that were not in the season. One was the banana stand. <laughs> but I didn't even consider that for our running gags or jokes because it was just, I thought, assumed that that is part of the set. Especially the because it was part of the marketing campaign. Yes. Exactly. And it's, they had like heaps of scenes at this Cinco de Mayo sitting down at the pier. They could have just whacked the banana stand in the background, or at least, you know, could have had a few of those. The banana stand be one of the stalls at that thing. We're very well aware they had multiple banana stands going around the world. They had some (laughs) banana stands. By the time it came to actually make the show, they'd realized they'd sent all the banana stands (laughs) to New York. Offset. Yeah, there was none left. Yeah, so I didn't get that. And the other one was, I was very disappointed. We had some, we had Barry Zuckercorn return, and it was great. We had Bob Loblaw return, that was great. We had Carl Weathers return, that was great. But the 
one of the must have guest stars for any season of Arrested Development. I am, of course, talking about Franklin. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I considered putting him on my running uh, jokes list. I, I thought Franklin would likely to return. I guess Joe was too busy with bees and gay sex uh, to do a Franklin bit yeah. for us this season. Yeah, so hopefully Franklin's holding out for the movie. <laughs> yeah. We also made some Arrested Development predictions. Would George Michael and Maybe's relationship progress, maybe through the bases, maybe just progress in any way? You said no. I said yes. You were right. It did not progress at all. <laughs> This season. 1-0. One, 1-0, one uh, Jonathan. 1-0. Yes. Uh, we were wondering... I was wondering... Uh, we, I didn't get a count on how many Joe final countdown illusions there would be. <laughs> and I think I said two and you said one. There was one. You were right. 2-0, Jonathan. I'm not I'm not happy about winning that one, though. The more Joe illusions, no. the better. We had um, also... Um, with Tobias... Come out of the closet this season. Uh, he did. We both said no, and he did not. Um, yeah, she's going. I'm another girl. Do uh, I do like I do point. wonder why he has been watching those straight bait videos? But no, he did yeah, not come out. Fun. I like how they addressed his homosexuality and how everyone thinks he's gay at the beginning of the season. Though. <laughs> it was really funny. Like, what people think I'm gay. Yeah, because of the way it's a you said it. Like, yeah, that, that was one of the funniest. What's that what's that from? They, it's not from anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was so good. So I really like what they did with Tobias there. I feel like there was another prediction we were really divided on. You said Lucille would be in jail, and I said she oh, yes. would she would get out off the charges. So you. It's two one. She was in jail. Well, it's or three three two. two. <laughs> yes, three two for our rest of the prediction game. There we go. Congratulations, Jonathan. Um, you're the laughing stock of the board. <laughs> um, let's give our screen verdict now. Okay, so because giving Arrested Development a screen verdict rating is such a big ordeal, what we're going to do is. Give our individual reviews, but then save the score till the end. We're going to give our scores after both reviews. I love how you said ordeal rather than deal. <laughs> it's stressful. Us <laughs> reviewing something, yeah. Okay, so after about five episodes into the new season, I was thinking... This isn't on the level of the old series. This is sort of what I'd feared would be the case. It's still funny. I'm still enjoying it. It's worth watching. But the story was a little bit convoluted. The jokes were a little bit hit or miss, whereas Arrested Development is always hit. I just thought things were a little strange, like starting the season with a flashback with Seth Rogen and what's her name? Kristen Wiig playing... Lucille and George Sr. That didn't really make any sense because we've had flashbacks before and they play themselves. And when we got a return to Arrested Development after six, seven years, I don't want to see Kristen Wiig and Seth Rogen. I want to see the Arrested Development cast. So just little things like that 
I found a little bit off-putting. But after a while, when the interweaving storylines sort of became revealed and you realized how complex uh, the plot was and how they thought of everything ahead and everything was coming together, that's when the show started to work from a plot perspective and it started to work from a jokes perspective as well. Like in the first episode, there was a lot of setup with like George and George Michael just having an awkward conversation in his dorm room goes for about five or six minutes and that really dragged. And only once it sort of got into the season, found its rhythm, did you get back to that routine. So after a while, I was really, really loving the show again. And I thought it actually got back to Arrested Development's peak. Like, I think the best episodes of this season are comparable with our top 10 favorite episodes that we did uh, a couple of podcasts ago. Then I expected that this would all come together for this great reveal of an ending, something happening at Sintro Quattro or the day after. But we got the ending that we did with the punch that we already talked about. So I guess that's my summary of the season, and I'll save my score until after Matt's review. What I didn't like about the show, firstly, I think there were things that they should have done they didn't do. The missing uh, banana stand, the missing chicken dance, I think were not just trivial issues. It was a bit disappointing not to see these things. I didn't want to see every single thing from the previous three seasons repeated and it'd be a bit of a rerun, but there are just things that are just so... There's things you've seen in every season of Arrested Development. It's almost become part of the show, and to lose that, it loses a bit of itself. Um, so I thought that was a bit of a shame not to see some of those things, hopefully saving them for the movie. Yes, yeah, so that, that's one thing I didn't like. The other thing that I'll say about it is I thought it was great and it was really funny. I'm not sure they're hitting the home runs they hit in the first three seasons. I'm not, I'm not sure if there's any moments in this particular season like... The end of Top Banana, where you've got the burning down of the banana stand, and there's always money in the banana stand moment, where just all, it all comes together in just such a brilliant scene. Or the Jay Walter Weatherman lessons, where they just had these over-the-top crazy scenes. Or the, um, the giant model house collapsing at the ribbon-cutting ceremony in the giant scissor-paper-rock game. Or uh, the, the Mr. F uh, jetpack first mold showdown on Tiny Town. I'm not sure if there's any moments in this season that I thought was as iconic or as funny as those particular moments. Would you agree, Jonathan? I think it's tough because of the way they structured the season. Because the things you're giving examples of are great storylines coming together for a really funny reveal or twist or whatever at the end of an episode. And the way they did the show... This season, they didn't really ever have the opportunity to do that. So I think it's sort of a little bit tough to compare. I mean, just in terms of individual jokes, I think something like Getaway, Getaway is as, as funny as, the, as anything they did. Those sorts of unrunning okay. jokes in the first three seasons. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so, and the ending, I just thought was not, was just unsatisfying. Okay, that's the stuff I didn't like. The stuff I didn't like. Like you said, some of these jokes are just as good as little one. They've created their own new stuff. They haven't just gone back to the old things and sort of, uh, like, they've kept it fresh. And they've, they've kept it, it doesn't seem like people from seven years ago are just reliving their childhood. They're actually, uh, they're actually creating new content that's great content. Um, and what they've accomplished in this show 
with the interwoven storyline and the 15 episodes that, that, that come in and come out of each other and go back in time and are non-consecutive, this is maybe the most ambitious project I've ever seen attempted on TV uh, in terms of complexity and layers and depth. They're just the amount of to write and film something like this, I would imagine it's, it's very daunting. And it's just, it's just so, it's a slog to sit through, but it is so rewarding to sit through. Because the more you watch of it, the more you get into it, the more little connections you see and things you see. And I just can't imagine how great it's going to be to re- watch a rebellion. And it's not just an ambitious project. It's executed so well because it is so funny. And, you know, this is, this is the best comedy on TV. I just there's nothing that's as funny as clever as Arrested Development. Maybe other than Beep. Beep's the other show. I'd, I'd say Beep and Arrested Development are the two shows that are just a cut above everything else. It's a shame they couldn't just finish it off by bringing it together at the end in a more satisfying way because then it would have just been off the wall, off the hook. <laughs> All right. So rating. I'm going to give Season 4 of Arrested Development a 9 out of 10. I had a few complaints, but those are complaints comparing it to hopes for, or I guess just the standard set of the greatest show of all time. So even though I have those complaints, it still achieves something incredibly high with its extremely complex and clever storyline, and just consistently hilarious moments. So I agree with you, Matt. I would say this is probably... Season 4 of Arrested Development is probably the funniest thing on TV at the moment. Even when it's not on TV, it's Netflix. But whatever, that's available uh, this it's year. In the, it's in the Emmy It's in the Emmy race. It's, it's, it's competing against all these shows. Yeah. My score, and I wrote it down before you said it because I didn't want to be influenced by you, Nine out of ten as well. So, <laughs> they, uh, um, so there you go. Um, Arrested Development, it's a TV show. You should check it out. Yeah. So, well, now uh, let's open that housekeeping door. Jonathan, you're in America at the moment. Uh, I thought a good thing to ask him today would be to see um, how you're finding it. Any interesting stories? Well, yes, I'm currently in, in Long Beach uh, and... It's been really nice. The weather has been perfect. I mean, we're accustomed to pretty nice weather in Sydney, but uh, even I have been very impressed. Everyone's super friendly. If you, if, you, if you walk up to someone and tell them, oh, hey, what's up? I'm from Sydney, uh, Australia. Uh, Australia. Um, everyone's been super welcoming. So we can see why we have so many American fans of Screen Verdict. They're, they're a good people, Matt. Well, I, 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 I've actually been and yeah, that's that's what when I like to go. I was in America. Just, the people are really friendly. Like I think they're more friendly than they are here. Now, maybe that's just because we're tourists and people are always nicer than people. Um, Putting on airs. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just found people really friendly there. Always good for a chat and always good to hang out with. So yeah, I love my American brothers and sisters. Uh, and as you know, I was here for the World Jiu Jitsu Championships. Okay, how did you go? You bring back that gold medal for Spring Verdict. Uh, well, I came in the top 100 people in my division, uh, which is sort of like saying you came in the top 100 at Wimbledon. 
Uh, it means you lost in the first round. But it was it was a good match. It, it went the the full length of time. Uh, just came down to points against a uh, pretty experienced opponent from Italy. So that was kind of interesting um, facing someone from the other side of the world. It would have been it would have been a bit lame if I came all the way here and they matched me up against an Australian. Um, oh yeah, would be annoying. <laughs> So it was all a bit, all a bit surreal, but uh, definitely a good experience. Yeah, to like compete on the world stage like that would be pretty, pretty incredible. Win, lose, or draw. <laughs> so um, it's great, and you made, you have you made some friends over there, Jonathan? Is it worrying that you're going over there on your own without me? That you'd be okay? <laughs> yeah, I get, I get nervous going to the uh, the cinema without you, Matt. Um... <laughs> I have been making some new friends. I had someone uh, give me their their number. They were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll hang out. We'll go do kayaking or something. And I thought you might find this sort of interesting. Their name was John Adams. John Adams, like the president. Yeah, at first I thought he might be playing a bit of a, a joke. Like, oh, yeah, everybody in America is named like Abraham or John Adams. Here's my number. But uh, I think his name was John Adams, but I don't think that was his number because I texted them. I, I, I texted them like five minutes after I left saying, throw another shrimp on the barbie. Just as like. <laughs> uh, and they replied, who's this? And I was like, uh, it's Jonathan. And they were like, where do I know you from? I was like, are you serious? You just gave me your number five minutes ago. And they were like, I didn't meet anyone five minutes ago. My name's Sean something something. Oh, no. So I think he gave me the wrong number. Or that guy got roofied or something. Yeah. So no kayaking for me and John Adams. Oh, no. You got, you, sometimes, you, sometimes you get burnt by people. Get up later. <laughs> Yeah, and, we're, look, and guys, a bit of a teaser for next week's podcast. I'm not sure what we're reviewing yet, but um, you might know I'm a bit infamous for my uh, governor impression. People love my governor impression from The Walking Dead. Jonathan's a fan. Yeah, Matt says famous, I say infamous. Though in this case, uh, Matt said well, infamous, hey. which I was <laughs> glad to hear. So I'm not going to correct you because it probably is better at me calling it famous. Uh, so, <laughs> People love it. All the all the streaming fans that love the governor impression. Um, I got a chance in my work for goldderby.com to speak with the actor who plays the governor, David <laughs> Morrissey, this week. And I got a chance to give give him a give him a bit of a listen of my governor impression <laughs> and get him to give that a verdict. And then Jonathan, he gives it a score from one to ten. He gives it his own screen verdict score. Because we're, we're very divided on it. If there's anyone who's in a good position... Because normally Screen Verdict is the best place for reviews, but if there's anyone to give us a review on the governor impression, it's the governor himself. The governor is on the next we'll be hearing. What, what verdict the governor had on my governor impression. <laughs> but I guess now it's time for us to... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 